0: Well, here we are, the last Sunday of Philippians. Um, I don't know about you, I was actually thinking about this as I was driving in today, like I cannot believe that we are already at the end. I don't know if you know this, some of you probably are very aware, some of you may not be so aware, this is week nine of Philippians, and for me at least, I hope that for you as well, it's gone really, really fast, and I, I was really blown away that we're already at the end of it, and, and I've, I've really, really enjoyed sharing this book with you. Um, you know, I always tease people, and I, you know, people always call me at a kind of teasing as well, you know, a theologian, and I, I've always said the same thing. We're all theologians, and and just so you know, you have now, in a lot of ways, studied a book of the Bible that, that a lot of people have never done in their lives. I mean, we have gone through this book verse by verse, word by word, kind of breaking some of the main ideas down and looking at these things. And again, I've really enjoyed sharing this with you. And I hope, really, really hope that it's been something that's been important to you and helped you. Um, I know that throughout this series, I've had several of you come up and share some of those thoughts. And I really appreciate that. But obviously, we've been talking about joy and and looking at the, the concepts that Paul shares with the church in Philippi. And, and really, obviously, one of the major themes in this entire book is joy and him sharing that and sharing it from prison no less and, and in that concept we've looked again at first Thessalonians this is the last time we're going to do it first Thessalonians 5 16 which is real simple it just says always be joyful and again I know it doesn't come from Philippians we could have used verses in Philippians but I just wanted to show that not only does Paul express this in this letter, but he expresses it to others. He doesn't just kind of express it to this church that he has a very close relationship with. He doesn't only just say, yo, I really love the people in Philippi, so I want them to be joyful and experience it. He wants us all to experience this. He, he wants it all to be, uh, us to understand the command that God gives us to always be joyful. And obviously, as we've looked at it, we've understood and seen that the feeling of joy is, is more than just an emotion but the foundation of joy really does start with a choice and we do make that choice by choosing Jesus so listen I know what's going to happen over the next several weeks it's going to be easy to move on and we've got a new series that's going to come up next week and all those things But let's always remember that, you know, when we choose Jesus, we can choose joy. But here's the deal. The opposite of that is always true. If we don't choose Jesus, it's going to be nearly impossible to really choose joy. Now, we may choose happiness based on circumstances or situations, but this is not what Paul's really looking at here. It's something deeper. It's something more lasting. It's something more fulfilling in our hearts and our lives. And that comes from Jesus. So again, let's go ahead and break down our text this morning. We're going to be in Philippians 4. We're going to finish again the book. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up. Philippians 4 and we're going to read to verse number 23 and kind of conclude this uh, book or this letter that Paul writes to really some of his friends in Philippi. This is what he says again, Philippians 4, starting with verse number 10. I rejoice greatly in the Lord. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I'm looking for a gift, but I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. I have received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Aphrodite the gift you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. To God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all the saints in Christ Jesus, the brothers who are with me send greeting, all the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. And the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you in spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we do thank you. And God as we come before you and as we kind of kind of put a bow on this letter. God, I pray once again you would open our hearts. You would help us to see the things that you want us to see, that the Holy Spirit would move and, and reveal and, and shine lights on things that, that God, for each one, Maybe obviously, that's not going to be the same for everybody, but God, that you would speak specifically and individually to our hearts. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now... As we jump into this section, really, I mean, we've kind of seen different things. Now, most of you know, as we've kind of looked at this book before and kind of broken down what the purpose of the letter was, we talked about Epaphroditus and how he came and brought the gift. From these individuals, the church here in Philippi. Well, in a lot of ways, basically, Paul has been writing different things. He's kind of hit on those things throughout. But in a lot of ways, as we kind of get down to the end of this, again, kind of like last week, it's almost like Paul's running out of ink or he's running out of paper and he's kind of like, oh man, I got to get some of this stuff down so that I can get this letter sent off and get it on to the church there. But he kind of tries to kind of always kind of knock out some things, you know, make sure he's covered some of these bases that are pretty important. And in a lot of ways, as I look at this last section, of the book of Philippians, I really look at it as a lot like just Paul's thank you letter. At this point, Paul has has kind of shared many, many things. He has kind of mentioned this before, but now he kind of just stops for a second. He's like, listen, as I'm bringing this all to a close, thank you. Thank you so much for all that you've been doing for me. And he begins to break this down. And, And so this morning, what we want to do to kind of put a bow on all of this is I really want to break down Paul's thank you note ...to the Philippians. I want to see what he has has written here. Because here's the thing. There's going to be some verses, we already read them already this morning... ...that a lot of you know very well. You quoted them very well in your past. But here's the deal. There's some context here that we really need to understand. And I'm not saying the things that you have shared in the past are not necessarily contextually correct but we also need to understand why they were written and when they were written. These are things that when we understand the context of what Paul is writing about, it will not narrow in those promises. It'll kind of expand on them a little bit, but it'll also help us understand the genesis of those promises and where they came from. And a lot of it comes from this thank you note that Paul kind of finishes out this letter to him. And so the first thing Paul really does, does in the first section is Paul shares his perspective on the gift from the Philippians, okay? He shares his perspective on that. And that's basically verses 10 through 14. And Paul begins to share, listen, listen, man, I am so grateful that you are partnering with me and sharing with me. And he even makes this interesting comment. He basically says, basically, I, I'm glad that you have you kind of renewed your concern for me. Now, here's the deal about that, okay? Because I've seen people say that, well, well, were they doing something wrong? No, not at all. It was just at that time, you couldn't just Venmo somebody money. You know, obviously. You couldn't just basically say, hey, um, there's, there's some people I want to help out. I want to send this money or do whatever. You couldn't do that back then, obviously. And so they had to collect the money. They had to get the money there. All those things were kind of a part of this. So Paul's not saying here like, hey, you're missing the boat. Hey, I can't believe what's your problem here. He's just simply saying, I know you wanted to help, but you didn't have the means or the way to help until you were able to get Epaphroditus here to do that. So make sure you understand Paul's change, you know, as Paul kind of looks at this, he's not saying, you know, hey man, you've missed the boat. In fact, he's saying the opposite. He's going, I'm so thankful that you have been concerned about me, that you you looked for opportunities to do that and things like that. So he really begins to say all this to kind of look at the perspective of giving and the perspective of what the Philippians have done in this concept. And so he continues on and he makes a very interesting statement for a man who is literally in prison and has no way of any making anything uh making any money or doing anything like that he basically says not that i'm in need he said i'm not saying this because i'm in need he says i'm not saying this because i have all these issues and problems and remember this is the guy who's literally in house arrest now if I, I'm, if, I'm gonna be honest with you if, if if i was in prison i would probably respond to you and say i'm in need i may not know what i'm in need of but i'm in need of something Maybe it's a cake with a file in it. I don't know, but I'm in need of something. Paul doesn't say that. Paul basically says, man, listen, I I just want you to know, you know, I'm glad you've been concerned, but I'm not saying this because I have need. I'm not saying this because I have need. And then he continues on, he says, because I have learned contentment. Learned, I mean, man. Again, we have to remember the context here. We have to remember that Paul, as he's pinning these words, has no idea if as he puts the dot at the end of the sentence, his time on this earth is over. And they take his head off. But he says, man, I've learned to be content. I've learned these things. Listen, as we look at these things, we have to understand these are learned things. Contentment, joy, peace... All these things that we've talked about, these are not things that come naturally to you and me. As human beings, as fallen individuals, we're not good at this stuff. We need to learn it. And the best way I have found to learn it is to learn it by following who Jesus is, who Jesus was, and how Jesus continues to be. And so Paul looks at this and he goes, listen, listen, I want to change your perspective here a little bit. Because here's what I found when it comes to giving. A lot of people look at giving and they look at it with the wrong perspective. And in fact, even more so, they look at it with the wrong motives. People will say something like this. Now, I'm going to be honest with you on a lot of areas here. And some people listen. I've met some pastors, man, they don't like to talk about giving. I like to talk about giving. And I'll explain why a little bit later. Okay? I don't do it a ton, but I like to talk about giving. Because I think it's a very important part of who we are as believers and as Christians. And again, we'll look at it in a minute. But Paul wants to kind of change their perspective and perhaps some of ours. Because here's typically what we do. We look at giving and go, man, I'm going to give. Why are you going to give? Because the church needs it. The church needs it. Okay? Now, here's the deal. You are correct in that. The church does need it. Here's why I say that. Down in the basement, at least yet we have not yet found the gold mine. We're still looking, okay? And I'll make you this promise. When we find the gold mine, I will let you know, and you cannot give to the church. You can give to some other ministry, okay? But until that, the church does kind of need this. Do you like the lights? And I'm not talking about the bright ones that are blinding me, but like the lights in here, isn't that nice? Yeah. Guess how we pay for that? From people that are giving, okay? We're not going to act like there's not a need here. But Paul makes an interesting comment. He says, listen, you don't need to be so concerned about the need. You need to instead look at something a little bit different. And Paul is communicating that to these people. And he's basically saying, listen... And this is in your notes, I want you to get this. Paul reminds the Philippians that his thankfulness... And he is thankful for the Philippians' giving... Was it because he was needy? Now here's the deal. I put it this. Though he was in fact in need, okay you got to understand this. It's kind of the same idea of what I was just saying about the church. But because it was good for them to be givers, Paul wants them to understand that one of the primary motivations for giving should because, should be because I need to be a giver. Do you understand what Paul is trying to do here? He's trying to shift the perspective away from the need... And instead, switch it to a different need, which is more important and really more eternal. And that need is the need for you and I to be givers. You say, Aaron, why do I need to be a giver? It's very easy and it's very simple. Because our Father and our Jesus and the Holy Spirit are. And if we're going to be like them, we need to be givers. I've said this before, I'll say it again. The verse that everybody in this room knows, John 3, 16, shares that Jesus and the Lord are givers. For God so loved the world, he gave. If you want to be more and more like Jesus, be a giver. And Paul here is not, he's not focusing on the need. He's focusing on the need that says, listen, I want you to become more like jesus paul here is really sharing his pastor's heart he's not talking about the money he's not talking about the gift although it's important and needed he's saying there's something greater when you give yes you help in so many areas you help all around the world with missionaries and spreading the gospel you help in so many different ways but the reason you give is not to do those things you give because your jesus gave first and we want to be like him We want to experience a life of giving. And Paul says here, listen, man, listen. This is what's important. And then he continues with this verse that we all have heard. And I actually put it in your notes. Philippians 4.13. You know it. We've quoted it many, many, many times. Because he begins to share something important here. It's up there on the screen. He says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Now, isn't that a wonderful verse? wonderful promise. We talk about it all the time. Something's hard at work. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Uh, Something's hard in church. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Something's going on with your kids. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But do you realize what the context here is? The context of this verse is in regards to contentment. Because in verse 12, he says this, I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And then we see verse 13. Now listen, I'm not saying that if you go and you say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength in other areas of your life, that that's wrong. No way, shape, or form. But you need to understand what the context here is. Here's basically what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that for me to have the secret of being content, that contentment that we all should want and desire, it will only come because of the strength of Jesus in you. If you try to be content without Jesus, you will fail every single time. Look around our world and you'll see it played out everywhere you look. Boy, if I could just have this then I would be content. That would be enough. If I had that, it would just be enough. If I found her or found him, then that would be enough. We have a problem in our world and in our hearts with contentment because we have forgotten that the only place we're going to find it is in Jesus and the only strength that can bring it forth is from him. Again, you want to say that verse in regards to other things? That's right all things. You can do all things. But Paul states it in that way. He states it, listen, if I'm going to be content, it only comes from Jesus. It only comes from his strength. He's basically saying like, listen, I mean, hear me here. It's like you come to me and go, you know what? With God's help and with God's strength, I can move mountains. Absolutely right. With God's help and God's strength, I can be used to heal the sick you betcha with God's help and God's strength I could speak to something that's dead and it could be risen again you betcha but can you say with God's help and God's strength I could be content because that's the context and here's what I've learned before I worry about raising dead things I might want to learn contentment I might want to learn where my contentment comes from and where it is It's in your notes. To achieve the type of contentment that Paul talks about, we need the strength of Jesus. We cannot do it any other way. So Paul talks about it. He goes, listen, it's not that I'm in need. And really, I appreciate the gift. And we'll see a little bit more how it gets into this in a second. But he's like, man, I've I've had it. I've had it and I've lost it. And he said, but I've learned the secret. I love how Paul writes that. And the secret is... Is finding your contentment not in a person other than the person of jesus not in a thing other than his love and his strength because i promise you if you try to find it other places it will come back void you will be empty again at some point in time and paul says listen if you want that you've got to find it in jesus the second thing the second part we're gonna break down, the second section here is Paul shares his thanks for the past and the present giving of the Philippians. So in starting with verse number 15, he kind of shifts a little bit. and He begins to talk about his missionary journeys and and things like that. And We're not going to spend a a huge time on this, but but basically what we know and have learned from the letters and other things, Paul was was ministering in Macedonia and helping out, I believe, on his second missionary journey. I'm not sure. I didn't write it down, but I believe it's his second. And, And so he's in other churches, some of which you know based on some of the letters that Paul also sent. And he begins to mention that, well, the only church that helps him is this church in Philippi. The only one that supports him in this journey is this church. And so during this time, Paul is, is working as well. He's working in for, you know, for his own expenses. But this church in Philippi is actually helping him out and supplying his needs as best as they can. And here's what we know about the church in Philippi. It was not a wealthy place. This was not them giving out of their excess. This was something different. And we're going to see this in a little bit. But they're giving and supporting him. And he basically says, man, listen, when when everyone else kind of was doing something different... You were there. You helped me. You supported me. You made a difference in this area and in these churches. And it's a very cool thing. And again, he kind of goes on and he shares something very interesting. He says in verse number 17, he says, Not that I'm looking for a gift, but I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. And verse 18, I have received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied. So, so here's the deal. You, know, you talk about Aaron. Why do you like to talk about giving? You know, and here's what's easy to think about. Aaron likes to talk about giving because he's a pastor and that's just we like money, right? No. Absolutely not. I love to talk about giving because of Philippians 4.17. I love that. Listen to what it says again. He says, not that I'm interested or looking for a gift... But I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. Again, this morning we're going to be very open, we're going to be very honest, because that's just, we try to be that way all the time, okay? But I'm just going to let you know, I try really, 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 really hard, you can ask Linda, to not see what you give to this church. Now, sometimes it happens, but it's my goal to have zero idea, you say, well, Aaron, isn't that wise or not, that not wise? Listen, I get, I get a statement at the end, I, but I try really hard to not know what you individually give. That's important to me. Now, here's the deal. There are times where that hasn't happened. And I know some of you may be sitting there going, oh, I actually gave a check to Aaron. Don't, don't worry about it, okay? But I try real hard not to know. But here's what happens. Every once in a while, something like that happens. I'll find out. And I promise you... I don't care if that gift is $5 or $20 million. I think the same thing. I get so excited for you. Because I know what my God is going to do. Because I go, man, I can't wait to see how God is going to bless them. I cannot wait to see how God is going to take that and credit that to their account in ways they never dreamed of, never thought of. You can ask my wife. I've literally called out people by name and said, God, I am excited. I can't wait to see how you are going to bless these people because I know this gift wasn't easy. I know the, the being obedient, it may have been easier maybe to hoard it or keep it for themselves. But God, I know you're going to do something great. I know you're going to do something amazing and I love that. I love that, and you know, I'll tell you the same thing. Uh, You flip the coin over, there are times where I go, you know what, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why these things aren't going on in, in my life or others. And I go, man, they are missing something amazing that God wants to do. And Paul is so interested. Listen, Paul wasn't so interested in their gift on his own behalf, but in the credit to their account. And listen, this account is both an earthly account and a heavenly account. Okay, God, God says, listen, man, when you give, when you share, when you're willing to sacrifice and do these things, man, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make a difference in your heart and your life. And please, I've told you this before. Don't look at it as like, man, I gave a dollar, so God will give me two. Sometimes God says, man, you are willing to give, and so I'm going to do something awesome, so much more better than money. Something great in us. And I'll, I'll be honest, I literally, I know this may be hard for you to understand or believe, Like, I get giddy when I know you've given. And again, is there a need? Sure, there's a need. Yeah, we got to pay the light bill. But I get giddy because I know what my God will do in your life. Because I know what scripture says when he says, test me in this. See that I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. One of the greatest joys of my life, and I mean this sincerely, is when God in your life throws open the floodgates of heaven and you're overwhelmed by his goodness. It just, it just, it's just the greatest thing ever. And again, it has nothing to do with me. I don't, I don't get to enjoy the those things. You get to, and I get to share that with you, and it's just amazing. Paul is communicating that. He's basically saying, listen, you know what you've given in the past? You know what you're giving in the present? Listen, the gifts, you know, uh, that's great, whatever. I'm excited about what God is going to do in your life. The credit to your account that God is going to bring forth. But then he continues and he kind of talks about this idea of that gift in verse number 18 and, and he begins to share it as far as this, this gift specifically that they brought and he calls it a fragrant offering and an acceptable sacrifice. Paul basically takes us back to the Old Testament when they would give these gifts and, and, and it's interesting because as he's kind of talking about these things, my, my, my thoughts kind of go well, that's what I want, I, you know, because I give too. And when I give, I want my gift to be fragrant and acceptable and pleasing. So what does that look like? What what is a fragrant, acceptable, pleasing gift to God? Well, here's the interesting thing. In 2 Corinthians, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. And he's talking about giving. It's a great chapter on giving. And Paul actually begins to tell the Corinthian church... ...about the church in Philippi... ...and about their giving... ...and about some important things that they have done. So to find out what a fragrant, acceptable, pleasing gift is... We're going to look in 2 Corinthians and see how Paul kind of talks about their gift, this gift that he is talking about in Philippians, and see exactly what he means when he talks about this fragrant, acceptable gift. So again, if you have your Bible, 2 Corinthians 8, we're going to start with verse number 1. This is what he says. He says, now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what uh, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles. Listen here, this is important. And they are very poor. Remember I told you earlier, this is not a gift out of their abundance. They're very poor. But they are also filled with abounding joy. Isn't that awesome? Which has overflown in rich generosity. Verse number three. For I will testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it on their own free will. They pegged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They did more than we had hoped for. uh, More than we had hoped for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. I believe there are four things here that we can look at from this church in philippi that will help us be able to give fragrant acceptable pleasing gifts to god number one it overflowed from their joy Okay, it overflowed from their joy. It's interesting here that as Paul has kind of written this letter out, the thank you note is kind of at the end. And a lot of times when you have the joy of the Lord, man, giving just naturally comes out. And please understand, I'm not just talking about money here. I'm talking about love. I'm talking about service. I'm talking about mercy. I'm talking about grace. I'm talking about joy as well. All these things are flowing out of them because they have experienced the joy of the Lord in their own lives. A lot of times we think that we are going to be great givers if we're basically, you know, stingy and miserable and miserly. It doesn't work that way very much. In fact, when we do give in those places, our heart's not usually in the right place. But God here is saying, listen, you know, that pleasing gift, that fragrant gift is a gift that flows out from the joy that I have given you because of what I have done for you. Next, they gave sacrificially. They were poor. They didn't have a lot. And it was like, you know what, it didn't matter. They wanted to give. I love in that scripture, that it says they begged to give. Like, like, can you imagine that? Like, oh, can, I please, can we give more? Like, like I, I know, listen, I have $5 to live on. I know I've given $4.75, but can you, can you take another nickel? I mean, they just kept more and more and more. And it's interesting here, and it really flows with what Paul is talking about, Because this Old, Old Testament idea is a sacrifice. It's what they would do, and it would cost those people a lot. you got to remember, when you look at the Old Testament, you know what it doesn't usually say, and -and so-and-so was rich and had a bunch of money. It happens every once in a while. But most of the time, you hear things like this. And they had a lot of flocks, and they had a lot of sheep, or they had this many goats, or they had, it's because livestock was the currency of the time in a lot of ways. Yeah, they had money in different ways, but a lot of it was based on that, especially if you were needing that for clothing, and for food, and for other things, and so they were always looked at as basically, Abraham was wealthy, look how much livestock he had, and so in, in the Old Testament times, basically they would take something very valuable to them and sacrifice it. Burn it up. Gone. And so it was a sacrificial gift. And sometimes, I'm not saying all the time, but sometimes God will place it on our hearts to be willing to give sacrificially. And I have learned over and over again that when we give sacrificially, God responds in a massive, massive way. Think about the Old Testament. Remember, at this time, Jesus hasn't come yet. Why are they giving sacrifices to God? In some ways, it was a way to cleanse them temporarily of their sin. It wasn't what Jesus was going to do for us, but it was their way of basically getting atonement for their sin. Now, I want you to think about that for a second. They were willing to give a goat, a lamb, a bull. Cost them something. But they got the best they could get as far as getting right with God. Now, that's a good exchange. Thankfully, we don't do that because of what Jesus has done for us, but that's a pretty amazing exchange rate, if you ask me. But these people gave sacrificially. Number three, they gave willingly. They gave willingly. They they, they didn't have to be coerced. They didn't have to be, you know, really should be giving. You know, one of the reasons I like to talk about giving is because I don't do that. I trust that you're going to be obedient to what God's asked you to do. I don't have to... Brow beat you. I don't have to tell you, you know, I've been, I've been looking at the numbers. I don't do that. Because I want giving to be a willing heart. God wants that too. And these people were so willing. I love it. I talked about earlier, they begged, begged to give. And then the fourth one is probably the most important one. And we miss it a lot. They first gave themselves to the Lord. Did you catch that in verse 5? A lot of us want to give, but we haven't first given ourselves to God. The best gift you can ever give is when you give yourself to Him. If you haven't given yourself to Him, everything else is going to be much more difficult. Everything else is going to be harder. And so for them to give with joy, for them to give sacrificially, for them to give willingly, they first gave themselves to the Lord. Listen, I want my gifts, I want your gifts, I want our gifts to be things that are pleasing and fragrant and acceptable to God. And this is our little checklist. This is what the Philippians showed us when it comes to giving. But there's one other thing that Paul talks about. In this section, and Paul shares a promise to the Philippians regarding their own needs. So, once again, here we are, verse 19. It's a verse most of us know, most of us have quoted. It says, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Now, once again, this is a great verse. We use it in many different contexts, and I believe we should. But we have to look at the original context of this verse. Paul has just spent several verses talking about giving. He's talked about how they have given fragrant gifts. That basically they have given, if we look again back to 2 Corinthians, they have gifts with joy and willingness and sacrificial, and they've given themselves to the Lord. All these things. And then Paul hits them with a promise. But a promise that if you look at the context is related to their willingness and openness to give. A lot of times we want to claim this promise. And here's what I've learned. God will still be faithful to his promises. But I found this in my own life. When I forget the context of this verse... I simply don't receive all that I believe God has for me. And I think that's important. Listen, it's in your notes. We should notice that this promise was made to the Philippians, those who had surrendered their finances and material possessions to God's service and who knew how to give with the right kind of heart. Man, we love to do it. Listen, man, you go to Hobby Lobby. Go to Hobby Lobby. Tis, you know, I was going to say today, you can't, it's closed. Go to Hobby Lobby on Monday and go count how many little plaques or little signs or little things that could go in your home or your bathroom that have this verse on them. And we love to claim it. And it's a great promise. And it's one that I believe is a great promise for us to claim. But we have to remember who this promise was originally made to. It was made to people who were willing to give. It was willing to to basically give in the ways that please and honor God. Their hearts were right. And because of that, Paul said, listen. You remember how he mentioned in 2 Corinthians that they were poor, that they were needy? He says, listen, God's going to meet all of your needs. All of your needs. In fact, in a lot of ways, he kind of mirrors what Jesus mentions to us in Luke six thirty-eight. Again, a verse that most of us have heard before. It says, give, Jesus is speaking, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. It's God's promise to us. Now again, we don't give so that we experience this even though we do experience this because of the goodness of God. We give because we want to be givers. We give because we want to be like Jesus. But Jesus in his ultimate grace, in his ultimate goodness says, listen, when you are just obedient, when you just act like me, this is the result. Now listen, I'm going to be just flat honest with you. There are some people that are hearing my voice right now, whether they're online or in this church, who have not experienced this promise yet. And I am begging you to experience it. Again, I'm like Paul in this area. Not because we need your gift. I mean, yeah, sure, we need it. But I want you to experience this. I want you to have moments in your life where it's literally like God walks up to you. You have a Dixie cup in your hand and God takes a 55-gallon drum of water and goes whoosh on your life. That's the promise that God has for you and me. That's what he wants to do when we're willing to say, you know what? I'll be obedient you know what? I'll put aside, I'll surrender these areas of my life to let you do amazing things in my heart, in my life. I want that for me. I want that for you. And one way that we have so many promises is to give and be givers. I think it's important that we understand that I think we see God giving over and over and over and over and over again. And because of that, I think he really wants his children to mirror that in their lives. Whether it be giving financially, giving of our time, whatever it might be. I think that in a lot of ways, we are living in a world of takers. And I think one way that we can be a light in a dark place is to be the opposite of that and instead be givers. I say, you know what? It doesn't matter that I don't want to necessarily do that right now. I'm going to do it. I'm going to give of my time to this person. I'm going to listen to their heart. I'm going to listen to the things that they're going through or whatever it might be. And Jesus says to us, man, if you'll do that, it'll be poured back, pressed down, shaken together and running over. And as we kind of close this little section and we're going to finish in just a minute but i think it's interesting that we see something here and it's, it's important that, that that we realize that god god could and god doesn't ask for it all you realize that right like scripture tells us every good and perfect gift comes from god everything you have your health your your, your financial situations everything you have everything you've got your children everything they're all a gift from God. And God could have looked at us and said, listen, hey, I gave you your, my son so that you could spend eternity with me. That's a pretty good thing. I want it all. And he doesn't say that. He does say, you know what? I want you to be a giver. I want you to be willing to give sacrificially. I want you to be give willingly. But nowhere in scripture, in fact, it says the opposite, that God says, I want everything. But isn't it interesting that our God is so good that in this verse, he says, I'll meet it all if you'll just do some. That's the promise. It's in your notes. Paul is telling the people of Philippi and us today that you have given some, but my God will provide for your all. What a promise. What an amazing promise. Where God could look at us and say, you know what, Aaron, I want everything. He's God. He has every right to do that. But he doesn't. And in turn, for me giving little bits of my life and little bits of my money and little bits of my time and all these things, God says, man, I will meet every single need you have. It's pressed down. It's shaken together. It's running over, over and over again. Paul is communicating to us through the ages that listen, whatever need you got, God will meet it. Whatever situation you find yourself in, God will take care of you. But again, let's remember the context. The context is giving. The context is willing to surrender. Now again, I will say this again because I want you to understand. God is going to do great things in your life because that's who God is. But I believe that one way to really unlock more and more of what God wants to do is to be a giver. And I don't want you and I don't want myself to miss anything that God has for us. I want it all. And if God says basically, hey, if you're willing to sacrifice here, if you're willing to surrender here, trust me, I got more for you. Whatever I got, I want to give it to him. I want him to take it and use it as we close this morning and as we close this book, this is not in your notes and so it won't be on the screens. But I think it's interesting that Paul here in the very end in verse 23 begins to talk. He's, he's kind of bringing it all to a close. It's kind of the, the ending. It's the final greeting and things like that of his letter. He basically says in verse number 23, he says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. He kind of ends his letter with grace. But also, if you look back to Philippians 1, as he begins to intro his letter, as he begins to kind of kind of talk about those things in verse number 2, he talks once again about the grace and peace to you from God our Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think as we kind of close this book down, I think it's important that we realize the book started with grace and it ends with grace. And that our lives, in a lot of ways, our Christian walks, it starts with grace and it ends with grace. And and I know sometimes we talk about giving. It can be real easy to be like, well, I don't do this or I don't do that. Listen, this is not about that. Remember, it's not about the gift. It's not about the need. It's about a desire to be a giver. And listen, I believe that in throughout all of these things that we've talked about over the last nine weeks... We talked about some of the exhortations last week. We talked about some of the things that Epaphroditus did and what we can learn from him. And we talked about lots of things, but listen, listen, it can be really easy when you read a book like this to kind of step back and go, boy, God, I, I don't know if I can handle this. I don't know if I can be like these people. I don't know if I can express the things that they express. Listen, the book starts with grace and it ends with grace. There is grace enough for you if you will turn to Jesus and allow him to transform you. You go, Aaron, I don't know, man, all this joy and choosing joy. I don't know if I can really do that. That's hard for me. I'm not necessarily a a joyous person and all those things. Listen, it starts with grace and it ends with grace. And grace comes from Jesus. So to be able to choose joy, to be able to choose giving, to be able to choose a life that is, is willing to sacrifice and be joyful in all situations, in all circumstances, for a life that's able to be content, no matter in need or in want, it starts with grace. And it's the grace of our Father and the grace of Jesus that he offers to us. Let's close our eyes. Let's take a few minutes as we kind of close, because I think it's wise and a good idea to close in this way. So, I want you to focus. I know this has been a longer series, been nine weeks, but again, as we've looked at these things, there may have been times and there may have been moments where you've looked at your life and you've kind of gone, oh boy, I don't know if I'm handling these things quite right or I'm not I I don't know if I'm living a life that that would would indicate some of these things and 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 I don't know if I've experienced the humbleness that Jesus has shown and living a life like that or whatever it might be but listen I want to communicate this to you before we leave there is a grace that God offers And yes, it is a grace that first and foremost starts with the saving grace of Jesus. But that amazing grace doesn't end simply when we are saved. That grace is extended to us every moment of every day. And listen, I don't want you to ever walk out of here and feel like, boy, I'm I'm missing it. Listen. It's okay in this moment to have the Holy Spirit come and bring conviction in our hearts. But listen, when that happens, we can run to the forgiveness and the grace of Jesus. And so we don't have to walk out of here in guilt. We don't have to walk out of here in shame. That is not what God has for you. He has grace for you. And he desperately wants to give that. He desperately wants you to receive that. And then he desperately wants you to, with his strength and with his help, move forward with him and leave those things behind. Listen, this has been a long book. And actually, it's a shorter one when you talk about the letters of Paul. But in some ways, we need to remember that it all starts with Jesus and his grace. And it all ends with Jesus and his grace. No matter what in the middle God is asking you or me to do or give over to him, it'll only happen just like it did with the Philippians if first we have given ourselves to him. So I'm going to give you just, I'm I'm just going to give you like 15, 30 seconds, not a lot of time, and I'm going to be quiet for a minute. And I'm going to ask that during that time, you would ask the father, Jesus, God, what areas in my life do I need more of your grace in? Maybe it's giving, maybe it's time, maybe it's, it's humbleness, maybe it's, it's the numerous things that we've talked about in this book and in this series. Maybe it's something completely different. It doesn't matter as long as we listen and hear what God is asking us. And I want us for that 15, 30 seconds to I try with the help of the Holy Spirit to identify that. And then after that time, I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna pray with you and over you that you would accept God's grace for that area in your life and allow him to work in you and through you for that thing, okay? So again, take, another, take 15 seconds, 30 seconds, and let's just ask the Lord, God, God, where in my life do I need more of your grace? Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for your grace. Jesus, thank you that you are willing and able to partner with us to help us in whatever area we're dealing with. And God, that grace is extended not as a a club or as a bat or as something to hurt, hurt it's it's given in a way that says listen there are areas here that I want to pour my grace into there are areas here that I want you to grow in there are areas here that I want you to experience more of who I am in this area and that God when we when we kind of let go of ourselves and let go of the things that we want to hold on to and instead embrace you and embrace what you have for us God you've just changed things and you make an impact But God, as we saw in this book, there's so much here. There's so much, you know, things that we could spend. I I, I probably literally could have spent not nine weeks, but double that and still maybe not finish this book. But God, to do any of it, to experience any of the joy, peace, love, mercy, grace, any of those things. We first need to uh, grab a hold of you and your grace. We need to allow your strength to help us to accomplish the things that you would want, whether it be contentment or anything else. We need you. Jesus, when you were here on this earth, in the book of John, you made the comment, without me, you can do nothing. And yet here in Philippians, we kind of close out the book with Paul writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit saying, but with Christ, I can do all things. Jesus, I pray that in our hearts and in our lives, in our Christian walk with you, those two scriptures would be the bookends of our life. That at one side, we would realize without you, Jesus, we can do nothing. But over here, we would realize with you we can do all things. That we would live in the middle of that scripture. And that God, your grace, would be ever a part of our hearts and our lives. We love you. We thank you. Thank you so much for this amazing letter that Paul wrote. Thank you that now, thousands of years later, We have it and we can look at it and study it knowing that it is the inspired word of God, that it is truth and we can allow it to teach and shape and mold us to be more like you. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, listen, thank you so much for being here this morning. Next week, we're actually gonna be starting a brand new series. Um, I'm not gonna tell you what it is. You have to wait till the, the newsletter, or not the newsletter, the emails. So if you're not getting emails, let me know. We'll get you on that. But I'm really excited about sharing for, with you next week. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Really looking forward to it. But listen, if you haven't gotten your shirts, make sure you do that. Sign up for the picnic. Um, Do that as well. And remember, next week is Jason's Deli. I hope you have a wonderful week. Listen, for those who are online, we love you. We miss you. We hope that you're doing well as well. We love you all. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon.